As I get started this morning, I'm going to tell you a little bit about uh, growing up. Um, I grew up in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, actually outside of Winston-Salem, North Carolina, in Forsyth County, and, uh, and I lived on the north end of the county. Well, for some reason, the school board thought it would be a, a great idea to diversify all the schools, and, and I talked about this before, and people were like, I didn't know you were that old. I'm not that old. It's, it's just what the county decided to do for a couple of years. And so what they were doing were taking certain pockets of, of students and, and busting us down into the inner city schools. I was in the fifth and sixth grade when they did this, which meant that every morning I was up before six o'clock and I was on my school bus about 6.10, 6.15 a.m. It was about an hour and 15 minute, hour and 30 minute drive just to school and back every single day. Most parents today, we wouldn't allow that to happen, not because we don't believe in that, just because that's a lot of time on the bus, that's really early, and again, fifth and sixth graders. Someone on the school board had even a better idea. They said, let's save some money, because we've got these fifth and sixth graders that we're, we're taking and putting them down in the inner city schools, but we also have this group of ninth and tenth grade high school students from the same area. We've got to get them to the, their school, which is only three miles from the school that I was at. So here's what they decided to do. Let's put 5th and 6th graders on the exact same bus with ninth and 10th graders. Every parent in here is like, no, never going to happen. You know, now looking at that age group, it's like, oh, it's not that different. When you're in 5th and 6th grade, ninth and 10th graders look like they're 40 years old, don't they? I mean, a huge difference. And so this was the plan that they came up with. And every single morning, every single afternoon, we would ride together. There's one bus stop that we had on Tuttle Road. I remember it. And we would pull up to the bus stop, and I think the guy's name was Rob. Rob would finish smoking his cigarette. He'd take that last little puff, throw it on the ground. Again, I grew up around Winston-Salem, North Carolina, R.J. Reynolds. He'd, he'd grind that cigarette out, and he'd get on the bus. And, of course, many times he'd just let all, all that smoke out as soon as he walked into the bus, which was always fun. But, um, but Rob also brought not only his cigarette smell with him onto the bus. He brought one of these things, a huge boom box. You guys remember boom boxes? Some of you still use them in your house and listen to cassette tapes? Right, exactly. Now, when you're fifth and sixth grade, this thing looked like it was about five feet tall and about eight feet long. And so Rob would take this big old, big old boom box and he'd wiggle his way back to the back seats of the bus. He'd sit down and he'd put this boom box on his lap. He'd open up the cassette player because that's basically all you had in those days. He'd put the cassette in, he'd close it, and he hit play. I grew up a pastor's kid. My parents protected us pretty heavily. We were very sheltered. Let's just say that from the music that Rob played, I learned a whole lot in fifth and sixth grade. <laughs> These were hair metal days, all right? So he would blare ACDC, Black Sabbath, Iron Maiden, Judas Priest. And I think every single day he played, this must have been his anthem song. All right? This is the one song that he would play every single day. Listen to this. All Anybody remember that song? Crazy Train by who? Ozzy Osbourne. It's sad you guys all know that. But anyway, every day we listen to that song. I think I know every word to that song. But this was Rob's mixtape. And maybe a couple of us in here would have the exact same mixtape even today. But if you remember those days, it was a process to make that tape, wasn't it? 
Because you had to have your boom box and then maybe another recorder and then you had to push play and record at the same time. And if you're trying to record songs off the radio, I mean, it was, it was terrible. Today, you just grab your phone and you're just like, boom, 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 I got it. There's my playlist. But you, you would make these mixtapes because they were important to you. You enjoyed the songs, of course. But, but you were handing those things off to, to maybe a friend, a family member, a girlfriend, boyfriend. Yeah, you got that mixtape? Probably put mixtape love on it or something like that. <laughs> A season of life that you were in. Maybe if you played a sport, you, you made sure that you had a mixtape for that. I mean, there are all kinds of reasons that we'd make these mixtapes. And maybe in your house, you had like five or six of these mixtapes. And whatever moment it was or experience you were having, you, you would take that with you. Why am I talking about mixtape? Well, boy, and that's our series that we begin today. Uh, but I don't know that we realize there's actually a mixtape that God has given us. It's a book in the Old Testament. And it's a book called Psalm. Now, we say psalms, even though psalms isn't right the word that we're supposed to use. We add that S to there. But, but over the course of this, this series, it's okay if we say psalm or psalms, because I'll probably say both. But, but this book of, of psalm is, is really a mixtape. Because what we find in the book of psalm are a bunch of songs. And these incredible songs and words that these songwriters have, have put together. I mean, this is God's mixtape for us. Let me give you a little information about the book of Psalm. That word in Hebrew was actually the word praises. This book is called praises. When the Old Testament was translated into the Greek, into what they call the Septuagint, it was changed from praises to psalm. And the verb form of that, that term psalm means plucking or twanging of strings, which sadly means that country music has been with us for thousands of years. Okay. <laughs> Don't worry, during our series, we're going to do a country song at some point. But anyway, um, if you look at the, the book of Psalm and these songs, you find there are 150 of them. Uh, in fact, this is the, the largest book in the Bible. And if you look at the New Testament, it's the most quoted book in the New Testament. It is from the words that these songwriters have put together in the book of Psalm. Now, many people think that, that King David wrote every single one of those songs. He didn't. Uh, 73 of them are connected to King David, which means he either wrote it or someone wrote it for him or about him, but he didn't even write all of those 73 songs. But all of these are a part of this incredible book that, that we call Psalm. And it even goes back to the time of Moses. Again, that's an incredible mixtape that you and I have that God has given us. And so as we go through the next few weeks together through this series, we're going to talk about a psalm every single day, every single Sunday, a song every single week. Because like songs today, there's a story being told, there's something that we can learn from it. And what better place to learn than right here? If you've got a Bible, you can turn to Psalm number one. Song number one. If you don't, there's some Bibles there in front of you. Feel free to grab one of those. Um, kind of a rule of thumb is if you take your Bible and you open it up in the middle, chances are pretty good you're going to hit that if you don't know where Psalm is. But Psalm 1 is where we will be. We're going to put it up on the screen. If you have your Journey Church app, you can follow along and take notes there. And also on your program, you can follow along and take notes there too. Here's what it says. Psalm chapter 1. It says, blessed is the one who does, does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. It's interesting because that word blessed there actually translated is happy. 
And so if we were to go into the New Testament, in Matthew chapter 5, we have this thing called the Beatitudes. And Jesus has given these things out, like blessed are are the poor in spirit, blessed are the peacemakers. He uses that word blessed. Actually, a better translation of that is happy. So here we have our, our writer, our songwriter, begins by saying happy. Happy are the ones who do not walk in step with the wicked. Now, I know that, that, that sounds pretty intense. So I found an international children's Bible, and here's what it says in verse 1. It says, happy is the person who doesn't listen to the wicked. They do not go where sinners go. They do not do what bad people do. That's a little bit more understandable, isn't it? <laughs> Some of you are like, I'm going to buy the international children's Bible. That's good. Whatever you, helps. What are things in life that make you happy? Cupcakes? A Porsche? A beach trip? LeBron James going to the Lakers. I mean, there are all kinds of things in life that that make each one of us happy. George Burns, the comedian, once said, happiness is having a large, loving, caring, close-knit family in another city. (laughs) Many of us would agree with that, I'm sure. There are things that make each one of us happy. We know what those are. In fact, I went online because you can find a test for absolutely everything in your life, right? And so I went online. I was like, I want to find this happy test. What makes me the the happiest? And so I I took this test, and the test came back and said, you're most happy when you're achieving. And and it's true. I I love when goals are met. I I love when things are being accomplished. I I love when, when, when my career and the things I'm doing in my career, they're moving forward. I love when I set up an event or organize some sort of an experience for people and people come out like, oh, that was great. That connected with me. I love that. That, That's what makes me happy. But what do we know about happiness? To get to happiness, something has to lead us there. An event, an experience, a moment, some life change. Something takes us to that place of happiness. But what do we also know about happiness? Happiness is fleeting. That, That it comes and it goes. That cupcake was amazing. But once we eat it and it's gone, man, the happiness kind of leaves. That, that Porsche is really nice to drive around until you have to take it in for repairs the first time, right? Then you're like, I'm not very happy about having this car anymore. Or, or LeBron James going to the Lakers may make you happy until they still can't beat the Golden State Warriors. I mean, this is what happiness does. It comes and it goes. It's fleeting in our lives. If we look here, though, at what the songwriter writes, he says there are three things that lead people to being happy. He says they don't listen to bad people. They don't go where bad people go. They don't do what bad people do. It's funny to me that he begins with relationships. He says, you, you want to know what makes you happy? Guarding the relationships that you have. Watching the relationships that are part of your life. Because relationships are built on some sort of progression. And they influence who we are. You know, think about it. When you first meet somebody, you don't look at them like, hmm. And they don't look back at you like, hmm. And then all of a sudden you're friends. No, it begins with a conversation, a discussion. You talk to that individual. You get to know them. And what's the next step? You go hang out with them. You spend time with them. But then what happens after we spend time with someone? Have you, you noticed that you start to become like the people that you spend time with? You begin to use the same words. You, you begin to act the same way. That's, that's the progression that we have when it comes to our friendships. And sometimes that's a good thing for us. But if we're not careful and we don't guard our relationships, we're not aware of our relationships, we can progress in a negative way in our life. Because what do we know about relationships? They influence us. 
And if they influence us, that means they influence our happiness that we have within us. And if you're struggling with happiness, I think like the songwriter says here, maybe the first place that we have to begin is by looking at the relationships that we have. Because our relationships can affect and influence our happiness. Because the people that we begin to talk to, that we begin to hang out with, those are the people that we start to become. And I think there's a direct connection, a direct correlation between our relationships and the happiness that we experience in our life. Again, it's interesting to me. He begins by saying, here's what blessed people don't do. Here's what happy people don't do. They, they, they really don't hang out or spend time with people that, that influence their happiness in negative ways. Like guard the relationships. Then here's what he says in verse 2. Let me go back and read verse 1 as it connects here. Blessed are those who do not walk in step of the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but who delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on his law day and night. Again, back to that children's Bible. They love the Lord's teachings. They think about those teachings day and night. It says you, you want to be happy? Guard your relationships. But then the second thing he says is focus on Scripture. The American Bible Society did some research a few years back, and they were wondering about the Bible reading habits of Americans. And here's what they found. We're going to put these up on the screen. It said 88% own a Bible. That means that 4.4 Bibles are found in every single house in America. 80% think Bible is sacred. 61% wish they read it more. 57% read their Bible less than four times per year. 26% read it on a regular basis, which means four plus times per week. Now, you can figure out which one of those two that you find yourself in there. But, but think about what we, we see here with these statistics and, and then what the songwriter says. Look, if we desire happiness, we've got to guard our relationships. But the second thing that we have to be able to do is we've got to meditate on Scripture. We've got to think about it. We've got to contemplate it. We've got to chew on it. We've got to meditate on it. When I was, uh, before I went into ministry, I was in the business world for a couple of years and a guy that I was interacting with who was a business leader, he gave me Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich. Maybe you've read that book before. I think it was written in 1937, sold over 20-some million copies uh, over the, the course of those years. But the whole premise, the whole idea behind this book is that we can use the power of our mind to be successful in life. I think I read the first couple of chapters and I was done. So you can kind of see how that impacted me and explain a lot. But it's true, I do believe, that, that we can use the power of our mind to find success in life. And we'll do that. But how many of us meditate on Scripture and the power that's behind Scripture? That's what meditating means. It means to think about and what we think about, we become. Again, that's the premise of that book. What you think about, you become. What we think about in our own lives, who we are when it comes to following God, following Christ, we become that person. And so why not spend our time focused on Scripture? Meditating on Scripture. Soaking it in. Chewing on it. Let it become a part of who we are. Maybe you've seen video um, of people at the Welling Wall, the Hasidic Jews. And as they are standing there, you, you watch, and they have a book in their hands, and, and as they're, they're standing there, they're swaying back and forth. 
And they're mumbling to themselves. In fact, that word meditate that we find here means mumbling to yourself. And so we, we see them and they're swaying back and forth and they're mumbling. Now, they're not mumbling to themselves like, hey, I can't wait to get home because we're going to have some matzo balls today. It's that, it's that kind of meal day. That's not what they're doing. They're actually praying scripture. They're reading scripture. This is called shuckling, right? Maybe more of us need to start shuckling in our life. Like we grab scripture and we sit and we read it and we we get into a rhythm. That's the idea there. They're in this rhythm. They're, they're moving back and forth. And they're meditating on what's here. They, they say it helps you forget about the things that are happening around you. And allows you to focus on what you're reading. What you're praying. But they do this over and over and over again. And these words become a part of their life. Which is interesting to me. Because what we'll do. We'll go spend billions and billions of dollars on self-help books. On books like Think and Grow Rich. Trying to, to find happiness. And yet our songwriter says, you, you, you want to be happy? Meditate on Scripture. That, that's really the beginning point. If we go back to the relationship piece, so many times we try to find happiness in our relationships first. And then when that happiness isn't found, we try to find it somewhere else. I, I think he switches those around because... That's the path that we tend to take. And yet what, what the, the, the songwriter is telling us, the beginning point isn't the relationships. The beginning point is scripture. What would it look like for you and I to just spend time every day meditating, focusing, soaking in on them? Maybe we need to start shuckling. What, whatever it takes to breathe in these words from God. Because the songwriter is saying, hey, if you do that, If you do this every single day of your life, you spend time in the word, in the Bible, God will use that to influence our happiness. And I truly believe it's a happiness that doesn't fleet. It's not a happiness that comes and goes, but is one that is always with us, even in those tough times in life. So why not start here? One of the things that we want to do through the series as we go through the summer is we're going to invite you to meditate on Scripture. To, to, to think about it, to, to soak it in, to shuckle if you have to, whatever it takes. And so if you have your program this morning, if you're taking notes down at the bottom right, you'll find uh, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Friday. Uh, so we're doing Monday through Friday. And every single day we have a different psalm that we're inviting you to read along with everybody else. So tomorrow is Psalm 1, uh, Tuesday is Psalm 2, this week's 1 through 5. Um, if you go to our Facebook page, if you like our Facebook page, every single morning, hopefully before you head out to work, we're going to have one of those psalms up on our, our Facebook page. You can read that. Here's what I'm going to invite you to do. Read it. And then read it again. And read it again. Maybe you take it and you make a copy of it or you have it on your phone or whatever. And you, you put it with you. And every single time that you got a moment or two, you're just, you're just reading over that song over and over again. Because I wonder what God would do if you and I meditated on Scripture. And so over the summertime, as we go through this series, we invite you to be a part of that reading plan. Here's why this is important. Look at verse 3. It says, That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. If you plant a fruit tree... Are you going to put it on rocky soil on the top of a mountain? No. You're going to plant that fruit tree near a water source. And the reason is pretty simple. That's where the nutrients are. I was talking about trees being planted and how we need to be rooted in a message a few years back. And a 
horticulturalist in our, our church wrote me this email, and here's what he wrote in it. He said, when you see an impressive tree at maturity, you are seeing an organism that grew in an optimal environment with access to proper nutrition and moisture, which made it manage stress more gracefully. I've never thought about trees managing stress, right? Because we don't think about trees and and plants focused on, on being graceful when it comes to stress. What's one of the main reasons that we're not happy? Stress. Stress. Gallup did a poll in 2017. They found that eight out of every 10 Americans is stressed out. The three biggest stressors, finances, job, and of course, kids. Some of us are like, yep, all three. Some of us say, well, let's throw the kids in the first part. I mean, it's true, right? I, I think every single one of us can say one of those three things or all those three things are stressors in our lives. And, and I think part of the problem is we put the stress on ourselves. Think about who we are relationally. Someone has told us that we have to find someone and get married. And so we are rushing through life trying to figure out who that person is and trying to find that person. It's actually not in Scripture anywhere where it says you've got to get married, okay? Now, unless you've got some things you know you need for yourself, then it's probably a good idea to get married. We kind of leave that there. But, but marriage is good. Marriage is a good thing. But so many times we just put all this stress on ourselves to find the right person and to find them quickly and get married. I think it's a burden we carry that maybe we shouldn't. Or academically, you know, kids, your students, your, your parents push you maybe to make all A-pluses and do really well on your entrance exams to colleges so you can go to a tier one school. And you, you think about that and you're putting all this burden, all this stress on yourself and you're missing out on life. Now, I'm not saying don't listen to your parents. What I am saying is be careful because that can be an undue stress, an undue burden on ourselves. Our, our jobs, our finances, bills are, are piling up. You got three kids and braces. You know, you're, you're trying to figure out how you're going to make it the next month. I mean, we, we put the stress on ourselves. And a lot of times we get to that place because of the decisions that we've made in our life. We are stressed out. And when we're stressed, we miss out on happiness. Someone did a study on why people were stressed out. And uh, here's what they found or how they deal with stress and this was actually a couple of studies, which made me laugh. The number one way people deal with stress in America, we curse. Yeah, you guys aren't laughing because it's true, right? <laughs> we curse. That's like the first thing we do. We curse when, when, when we're stressed out. We curse, and then we don't do, make healthy decisions when it comes to our eating habits. We don't take care of our bodies. And then we curse some more. And then, you know, we'll, we'll fall back into the addictions that we have in our life. Something pulls us back into a place that we had worked through. And, and that's, guess what? We, we curse some more. That tells me that we're not very rooted in Scripture. We're not rooted in meditating and focused on Scripture to deal with stress gracefully. A tree knows how to do that. And yet we as humans miss out on that. It's so important that we understand the importance of of those roots in our lives. Because happy people, the kind our songwriter is talking about, guess what they do? They set roots in place. They're focused, meditating on Scripture, and they succeed because of that. Look at verse 4 and 5. It says, Not so the wicked... 
They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. The writer moves from being rooted, where you're soaking up all these nutrients from, from Scripture and, and from God and finding that happiness, to saying that many people are like chaff. Now, he uses this term wicked here. Those are just people who don't follow God. They, they're, they're trying to find their own life and, and set their own path. That really, I mean, it's kind of this ominous word, but that's what he's talking about. But then he, he describes those individuals as chaff, which if you were here for our Ruth series, we talked about the harvest. Uh, what they would do, they would harvest the, the wheat and, and the barley and the corn, and then you would, you would take it to this threshing floor. And when you got there, you had this pitchfork-like thing. You'd throw it up in the air, and where these threshing floors were, there was sort of this breeze that kept blowing through. And, and when you throw it in the air, anything that was light, that was the chaff, it would be blown away. And then you'd have the grain that would go back to the floor, and then you could harvest that, and then you could eat it or, or sell it. The songwriter says, so many of us are just like the chaff. That we're not rooted in God. We're not rooted in Scripture. We're not meditating on it. We're not focused on it. What we're like, <laughs> we're just blown with the wind. So whichever way the wind's blowing, it's like, oh, I'm going I'm to go try to find my happiness over here. Oh, wow, that didn't work. And so the wind blows again, and we go over here like, oh, yeah, over here's where I'm going to find it. We find that that doesn't work for us either. He says the people that don't follow God, that's the life that they live. That's the place that they're trying to find happiness. See, the reality is what we're trying to do, we're trying to find freedom. We're looking for freedom. We believe that we can be free, and the only way to be free is if we make that decision for ourselves. If, if we take ourselves down that path, that because of who we are and what we believe and what we desire, we'll get that freedom. But I think all of us know that that freedom really doesn't exist. That happiness, again, it comes and it goes. It's fleeting. C.S. Lewis, the Christian author, told the story of a fish said that this fish was swimming in the ocean and saw the beach. And the beach looked inviting. It looked like that's the place the, the fish wanted to be and to live. And so the fish had this plan in place. That was the goal for it. And, and one day, finally, the fish gets out of the ocean and lands on the beach. And it's okay for a moment. But guess what? Happiness is fleeting. Because the fish figured out it was great for that moment, but the fish couldn't breathe anymore. And the fish understood that the freedom that it was seeking wasn't really the freedom that it needed because the fish wasn't made for land. The fish was made for water. So you and I aren't really made for our own freedom because every time we make decisions in regards to our own freedom, we find that that happiness is fleeting. We make poor decisions and we pay for that. What we find is that you and I, we are made for that connection, for that relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And yet we go through life looking for happiness on our own. And every single time, I think, we find that we are poor decision makers. And like the writer says, we're just chaff because we're not rooted in God. He finishes up verse 6. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. If we actually go to the Beatitudes, Matthew 5, 6, Jesus says, Blessed are those, happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. If I go back to that children's Bible again, it says, Those who want to do right more than anything else are happy. God will fully satisfy them. The day that you were married, if you're married, it's probably a great day for you, right? 
More than likely, you're not sitting there and standing there in front of everybody and thinking about an ex-boyfriend or an ex-girlfriend, right? We're not thinking about that stuff. We're not thinking about what we're going to eat five, ten years from now. We're thinking about that, that moment with that individual that we're with. We're not sitting there thinking, what am I doing? Is there a way I can get out of this pretty, pretty gracefully? You know, gentlemen, you're not sitting there thinking, I wonder how much she's going to cost me over the course of our life together. And ladies, you're not sitting there thinking, I wonder how many times I'm going to have to tell him to pick up his dirty underwear off the floor. <laughs> right? You're thinking about that moment because you're excited about it. But more importantly, you're consumed by him. You're consumed by her. Are we consumed by God? Are we excited about God? Because honestly, that's the place where happiness is and exists and lives. And although that wedding day, it's, a, it's an amazing day, and it's fun and enjoyable, and there's a lot of happiness there. If you've been married, you know there's ups and downs. It's a roller coaster ride. Happiness comes and goes. But that's an earthly happiness. We're talking about a spiritual happiness, a one that never goes away, another one that never, ever leaves us. And as the songwriter says, the way that we, we get there is by seeking out righteousness, living our lives the way God has intended us for, to live our lives, which begins by being rooted and connected in Scripture instead of trying to build my own path in life. We think the key to happiness is my own choices. The songwriter would say the key to happiness is following God being consumed by God and seeking righteousness in our lives. He says happiness are people who guard their relationships, who meditate on Scripture, who, who root themselves in their faith connected to Jesus. Those who thirst for Christ, those truly are the keys to happiness for each one of us. Here in just a little bit, after we finish up our communion time, as you guys are walking out, the band's going to do a cover song, Happy, by Pharrell. Some of you know that song. But there's some lyrics in that song that I just want to read to you. He writes these words. He sings these words. Can't nothing bring me down. My level's too high. Look, following Jesus brings us incredible happiness because when we do that, it's not about me anymore. It's about Jesus. And even beyond that, it's, it's about others. And so we, we have this mindset where it's, it's not about me. I'm not seeking my freedom. I'm trying to connect with other people. I'm trying to connect with Jesus. I'm trying to be rooted in my faith. Here's the deal. When you and I live a life like that, when, when that's who we become, when we, we are the person that the songwriter writes about here in Song 1, in this book of Psalm, when we become that person, can't nothing can't nothing bring us down because like it says our level's too high I know happiness is fleeting and I know we're searching for it in our lives I truly believe there's only one place that we can find true happiness and that's through God and thankfully God loved us enough to send us on Jesus to this earth he said hey, you want happiness in your life you want to know what happiness looks like it looks like my son dying on the cross for you Looks like my son teaching you how to live your life and, and more importantly, him coming back to life to give us hope, to give us life, 
show us love so that we can be rooted in that and experience true happiness. Maybe today that's the place you're struggling. You're struggling with happiness. You're looking for it in all the the wrong places, as the song would say. We're trying to find it. We're we're reading books, but nothing seems to, to work. Why don't I go back to Scripture and meditate on it, think about it, soak it in, shuckle it, and let God work through that.